Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the show that tells the stories of diverse leaders who found belonging in our industry, so you can too. I'm Nicole Kasperson. In this episode, I sit down with Ahan Sarkar, the general manager at Helix by Q2. Helix empowers innovative companies to build personalized and empathetic banking products that today serve over 10 million people nationwide. Basically, Ahan's in the business of making finance human. And that is exactly what we talk about and how he does that through his role with Helix. So we have a very open dialogue about making finance human, the economics behind financial inclusion, and why the industry of fintech needs to be held accountable. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation with Ahan. We recorded it live in our Williamsburg studio. He is such a gem with so much insight on life and fintech and culture and just bringing some humanity to the space and empathy. So enjoy this conversation with me and Ahan. Ahan, welcome to Humans of Fintech live in our Williamsburg studio. I heard you caught a red eye just to be here for this podcast. That's the only reason I'm here. So excited (laughs) to have you here in New York. Thank you for joining us. Okay, to start, first off, I'm really happy to have like a mini reunion with you because the last time we spoke and met, we were literally sitting on the floor <laughs> at FinTech Empire yeah. <laughs> conference in April, like crisscross applesauce. What a different time. So much has changed already. Well, and our bank partner walks by and is like, why are you guys sitting on the floor? I, I know. Like, we're tired. Because we're we were tired and we were talking about, you know, financial inequities in the FinTech space and in general. So, yes, it was it was a time. But anyway, it's a real so, ground level conversation. Literal, literal. <laughs> anyway, and you explained to me how the profitability aspect of why financial inclusion isn't necessarily an incentive for like larger financial institutions. So I really appreciate you doing that because now I fully understand the actual economics behind it. So with that backstory, I want to learn more about your backstory and hearing a bit about your background. Is there any moment or anything that happened in your personal life that really influenced your decision to enter the fintech space? Yeah, I never thought I was going to work in finance, to be honest. I thought I was going to be a scientist. I spent most of high school doing a bunch of research. So one year I did uh, soundproofing research. One year I did comp sci and built the system to use your driver's license as a key to your car, which, by the way, Tesla is like 100 times better than what (laughs) I built when I was in when I was in high school. And then I did Alzheimer's research and then I did nanochemistry. And so, like, I I really thought that I was going to be a scientist, but coming out of sitting in labs for like 2,000, 3,000 hours, I kind of realized that I loved solving a problem. I loved teaching people about that problem and talking about why it was important to solve and how we solved it and how we thought about Mm. it. I really hated sitting by myself in a lab for 2,000 hours (laughs) and micro-pipetting 96 well plates, (laughs) right? And so I went to college um, at at University of Chicago and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. But long story short, UChicago has a great economics program. So I started taking a few classes there and because of some personal circumstances, I ended up deciding that, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna try and graduate early, right? Save a little bit of money. School is pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. And so effectively decided to major in econ, kind of walk away from, from science and, and did a first job in kind of the tech industry. And then I ended up doing an internship at this sort of crazy place called Bridgewater. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a hedge fund based out of Connecticut and they have a very unique culture and uh, very unique people that work there. And so I ended up started a company when I was in college 
interned at Bridgewater, ended up deciding to go to Bridgewater instead of continuing the company because starting a company doesn't pay your debt for those of you guys who are considering it. <laughs> right. um, but went to Bridgewater and learned an insane amount over the next two years. But I always kind of found myself missing the thing I loved about science, which is mm -hmm. finding a real problem, solving a real problem, and actually making a difference for people. Because let's be honest, Bridgewater is an amazing firm, but it makes money for people who have lots of money, mm -hmm. right? And so after a few years of, of learning, meeting some amazing people, I kind of wanted to get back to my roots of like building product, solving problems. Honestly, it was kind of serendipitous how, how I ended up in fintech. And forgive me for this story, but I, I went to Please go interview. <laughs> I went to go interview for this job I didn't want in, in Los Angeles. Because, <laughs> Haven't we all? Because they would pay for my flight to go to LA and a buddy of mine lived in LA. So I was like, you know what? Free flight. I'll go, I'll go see him. And as it turns out, his brother had just gotten engaged and was having an engagement party. So I was like, you know, I'll drop by. Long story short, I meet his brother's then fiance's sister's friend's boyfriend <laughs> who had just gotten a job uh, in LA. And I was like, how'd you get a job? Like, tell me about it. And he introduced me to this recruiting firm that had just met up with this other firm called Stonecastle and they wanted to start this new fintech business. And so sort of serendipitously met this dude. He and I really hit it off. And that's how I kind of like fell into fintech on accident. You know, at that point, I didn't really know what fintech was. We didn't really know what product exactly we were building. I just knew that my wife and I wanted to move, well, then I guess girlfriend, and I wanted <laughs> to move to uh, to Los Angeles. And that was a cool gig. And then fast forward six years and a lot has changed in fintech, oh my gosh. you know? Uh, so that's kind of how we ended up here. I never, I never thought I would end up here. And now I'm really happy I did because there are real challenges that need fixing. It's yeah. like this inflection point, it feels mm -hmm. like, in the history of finance in this country. And so I tell our team this, like we're we're privileged to be able to actually solve those problems instead of just looking at them or being a part of them. Did you have any inkling that there would be this greater good impact when you entered fintech, even though you didn't know much about it? Did you kind of know like, okay, unlike my prior role where I was just making the rich richer, I might actually have the ability to create good and and help more people. And I imagine, like most of my guests, that is usually a massive draw. It's usually yeah. the promise of that. It's usually why most of us fall into fintech, right? And same for me. You don't. I, I wasn't a little girl that grew up wanting to be a fintech creator. Interestingly, you, you didn't draw ACH flows on no, your bedroom. No, wall. I wasn't like APIs, KYC, <laughs> Yahoo. No, no, I didn't. I was just wanted to be a storyteller. Yeah. I mean, for me, you're, you're totally right, right? Like I, it was a big requirement for me that whatever I was going to do next, one, that I would build something from scratch and two, that it would actually solve a, a real problem for people. Mm -hmm. Because for me, going to Bridgewater was sort of this crazy experience because my family immigrated to the U.S. when I was young from India. Mm -hmm. We grew up with not that much money, candidly. And so to go from that to candidly some of the richest people I'd ever met in my entire life. Yeah was a real shock for me, mm -hmm. right? Like I remember thinking during my internship that the the CEO of the firm made more in a minute than I would make in the entire year. And it was just crazy to me. That, right. and, and granted, the dude's a genius, right? And right. he's really good at solving problems, really good at understanding systems. But it was really hard to reconcile that world of finance with the reality that we lived, mm -hmm. that my family lived, that my friends lived. And so I knew I wanted to do something with that, but I didn't quite know what. And yeah. when I ended up meeting Stonecastle, the deposit network that eventually made Camera, that came to what is today Helix, what I loved about their business was that they were taking dollars that existed with big companies, with big institutions, and they were bringing them to 
local community banks. Mm-hmm. And, and what I learned at that time after meeting some of these community banks is that those banks are like the epicenter of that community. You know, they create jobs, they create loans, they basically help people kind of achieve what they're looking for. Right. And so I love this idea of these, you know, community banks at that time were struggling to kind of get deposits. And we were like, okay, how do we help these people get deposits from places they might not normally look? And then we ended up getting into this banking as a service partnership called Camber. And it was like, wow, on one side, we can create a whole new generation of financial products. And on the other side, we can go bring those dollars to these small communities. That's pretty awesome, right? Right. Um, Sold. And, yeah. And the, thing, <laughs> and the thing about fintech, right, especially when you're making something from scratch for the mm-hmm. first time, is you don't know all the challenges that you're going to be dealing with. All you know is that there is going to be a continuous stream of them because mm-hmm. you're, you're creating something that's never existed before, right? right. But the wonderful part about that, right, is you're creating something that's never existed mm-hmm. before, right? right? And at a time where the capabilities are opening up in the first place, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I tell team members that we have now, like imagine if you could rewind back in time to when they created cloud computing and you could define what that looks like today. Like imagine mm-hmm. what, that would, what that would be right, right now. You know, you look across and you're like, oh, every single website that is built is because of what we did in the mm-hmm. early days, you know? And my dad He's like an inventor at heart. He has like 150 some odd patents. But one of the things he invented was um, the voice over IP phone, right? Wow. And so every time I see one of those, I'm like, hey, there he is, you know? Yeah. And I feel that way about what we're doing. Like cool. if I pull up my credit karma account, you know, and I, I went to Arco and I got the cash back on my gas and I was like, no way. This <laughs> exists because we created it. You right. Know? In like a more positive way, you're like that meme of that guy that's like standing in the corner in the party that's like, no one knows I I'm the one that did this, you know, but like in a, in a good way, but that's dope, right? Yeah, I'm like, like, hey, did you get your tax returns early? Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It you was me. Send me the Christmas card. I mean, and gosh, and you're right about the inflection point and like the timing. You're right. It's so serendipitous. That's how I feel even just about my transition from like traditional finance reporter to fintech creator. I remember when I first started at my last job at Investment News and I kind of had this like, moment where I all of a sudden was interviewing some really prominent people, billionaires, you know, people with billions and billions of dollars in assets under management under their companies. And I remember I used to like before pandemic, I used to have a goal where I wanted to like interview and shake the hand and like profile a billionaire. Mm. And now I've done that like 10 times over. (laughs) You're like, like, these are just normal people. And then, yeah. And now (laughs) I'm like, I would rather do so much else. I mean, like, not like this. I mean, anyway, we don't have to go down the billionaire route, but more so just like it's crazy how much like we can evolve and how much we have evolved. And the pandemic was such a massive part of that. And now I'm like, fintech is such a dope space because if and when we all pull this can I swear on my own podcast? I'll say pull this yeah, shit off. Rules. This is my yeah. podcast. <laughs> pull this shit off. <laughs> We'll all be legends, right? Like yeah. we're gonna be legends, and what, like whether we're the meme guy in the back and no one knows it, like, yeah, we're like helping make the world go round in a better way, in a way that's so much more positive for everyone else, and that feels damn good, regardless of how markets are doing right now. Look, markets ebb and flow in cycles, yeah. right? Exactly. Uh, not to steal from what I learned at Bridgewater, right? But you have <laughs> short-term cycles, you have long-term cycles. And this is like right. these kinds of deleveragings are normal. I feel like. The thing that is wonderful about this space that is different from the traditional world of finance is it's full of creators. It's full of people mm-hmm. who actually want to make something, you know, at a time where a lot is changing. Like I think in, in finance, a lot of the people that get lauded are people who figured out some really clever arbitrage, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, if I if I just buy it on this market and I sell it on this market, I can make a cool million bucks. 
but did you do anything? Mm-hmm. Did you help anyone? You know, does it matter? One of the crazy things that's happened for us during the pandemic, we've gone from probably 40 people to about 150, north of 150 uh, people yeah. in two years. But I can tell you one thing, even though all of those people have been hired remotely, one thing that everyone has in common is they care about our mission. They care mm-hmm. about making finance human, right? Because like at the end of the day, like, like I was saying earlier, you're going to have challenges. You don't know what they're going to be. The road is not straight. It is curvy. Mm-hmm. And so the most that you can hope for is that one, you're going to a place that matters, right? That actually is driving impact for real people. You're doing it with people that you trust and that you enjoy, you know, playing jazz with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you guys have a good problem solving arc and you iterate well. If you have those three things, you may not take the path that you think to get there, right? But you'll learn a lot, you'll live a lot, and you'll change something. That to me is what is so exciting about this space is it lets you reimagine how, and that word's so kitschy now, people are like, reimagine ACH, <laughs> right? But like, it lets you it lets you rethink how systems work. Because I remember yeah. like when we started the sort of banking as a service business, and at that time, we would go to people and they would look at us like we were crazy when we were telling them, hey, you should build a banking product. How many like years ago? This is 2017, 2018, right? Gosh. Like I remember going into CB Insights Conference in, in New York. Uh, really? Yeah. And they, I remember it distinctly because they had this like unicorn and it was me and our two salespeople at the time, right? And we we're like, all right, guys, we're going to change the world. And so we- <laughs> Embedded finance. Yeah, it's. yeah, yeah. And, and so we go to all these companies and actually one of your recent guests, um, Henry Yoshida, oh, he yeah. was there at the time. And it's funny because- I, we pitched him back in the day and he's like, why on earth would I do this? Fast mm. forward to now, uh, we partnered together, right? Like, and so, you know, it, it's funny how quickly the world's changed. But at that time, we would go to people and they're like, why on earth would I launch a bank account? Like, I'm a tech company, right? And mm. today, I can't open any market analysis without reading about embedded finance, without mm-hmm. reading about banking as a service. And remember, I came into this from the finance world. Like, I'm sort of embarrassed to admit that when I joined Stonecastle, I didn't know what an ACH was. Like I didn't know how money moved at all. And then I was supposed to go to people and help them see how they could change the way that money moved. But then I realized that being an outsider is kind of an advantage because when you are born and raised in banking, you know the rules, right? Mm -hmm. You know exactly how it works, but that forces you to not question how it works. Mm -hmm. When you don't know anything and you come in for the first time, you're kind of like, why does this work this way? Right? Mm -hmm. Like why does ACH take two days to show up? Don't you know that the money is coming in? Like, <laughs> why don't I get notifications when I send a wire? Like, mm-hmm. don't you know that you sent the wire, right? And then it lets you change the way that those systems work, whether that's in, you know, an industry like payroll. And you're like, why can't people get paid instantly for free, you know, or mm-hmm. lending? It's like, well, why why can't I just get my loan on my phone, right? right? And that's the fun part. It's kind of starting with like, well, how should this work, right? And then going back and saying, okay, well, how do we get the technology there? You're right. That is the exciting part about the space. It's why... People ask me all the time, why fintech? Why do I stay? Why do I keep writing and, and covering this industry? And it's for that. That's a huge aspect of it is the fact that we're at a place where technology is mature enough, where everyone can win. And from the from the end user to the provider to the people building the infrastructure, the whole the whole shebang, investors, whatever, everyone can get a slice of the pie. It just takes a lot of intentionality and the right design like and thinking things through hence embedded finance like it yeah and hence this uh that market being gosh isn't it like 1.9 trillion dollars or some crazy thing i mean regardless (laughs) regardless the numbers you get are pretty wildly different (laughs) like some people are like 22 trillion dollars and i'm like where are you getting this number from but it's massive right and it's it's growing every year and i think Mm. part of it is like which industries are adopting it when right Mm -hmm. because one of the things that we've seen from 2017, like 
our, our, what we did at the very beginning is we went to the largest companies and we were like, you guys should build banking. They're like, this is really cool. Huge revenue opportunity. Come back when you scaled this. Right. Mm, that was yeah, a bummer. Normal. Yeah. But we went back and we said, okay, well, what's one derivative from banking? That was payments. Right. Mm -hmm. Then it was goal-based savings. And then mm -hmm. it was micro-investing. And then it was lending. Mm -hmm. And then it was payroll. And then it was, what is that? Gaming and crypto and so now on. Now it's so, all this. Oh. Yeah. And it's just kind of like that market continues to grow as you can show each vertical something that doesn't exist yet. Was there anyone in particular that maybe helped get you to this place? You're so certain of yourself. You have, you definitely have like this confidence. I don't know that. You, I mean, <laughs> well, then you're good at pretending. Sir. I guess so. Um, I guess like no, but, but but you're but you're, okay. Let's say like very sure of your values, right? Very sure yeah. of your mission. Very that we can definitely For sure. same same same. You know, confidence is always something that we're working on regularly. But um, you know, was there anyone in particular that maybe helped you get to this place where you kind of have found this sense of belonging in the fintech space? For me, those are almost like two separate questions. Like some people who helped me get to this point mm -hmm. and then people who helped me build that sense of belonging in the fintech oh, space, okay. I guess. Like for the first one, it's kind of a sort of strange answer. I, I would have to give credit to one, my parents. Uh, mm -hmm. Like my mom is a bio teacher and my dad's an inventor, you know? And so literally from when I was a little kid, my parents were just like ingraining problem solving and public speaking. And, you know, like we'd oh, be sitting at good. a dining table, we would have ordered dinner and then my dad would be like, okay, you have two minutes to think about it. Give me a speech about grass. And I'm <laughs> yes, like, what? Dad. What do you talk about grass? But then you think about it and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, grass is actually a metaphor for a bunch of other things inside of the population. Like America is one of the few countries that actually maintains lawns and what a sign of waste. And you end up kind of drawing all these lateral connections. You're doing that as a kid? Good oh, for totally, you. Totally, right? So <laughs> that, that would be my parents, right? Like problem solving, speaking, that kind of stuff. But then the, the other big mentor that I had um, was this gentleman by the name of Mike Hayes mm. when I was working at Bridgewater. Because- Everyone comes into Bridgewater with, I hope this isn't like a bad thing to say, but everyone comes into Bridgewater with the same assumption that like, I'm pretty good at my job. Mm, like mm -hmm. I can do stuff, you know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty solid. And then you show up and then you meet some of the smartest people you've ever met in your life. And you're like, what I thought was a nine out of 10 is a five out of 10. <laughs> and then you go through this crisis of confidence, right? Where you're like, I'm worthless. Nothing I do matters, right? I bring no value. And Mike was an ex-Navy SEAL commander. Oh, he wow. had worked for the White House and he probably had the most equanimity of any person I'd ever met. Like we would end up in like a meeting where, and Bridgewater's known for radical transparency. So people are very straight up with you. So if you're doing bad, you will know you're doing bad, <laughs> right? And Mike was always that guy with perspective, right? Where he would be like, look, you got a roof over your head. You're going to eat today. Wow. You got a girlfriend that loves you. And we're just solving business problems. There are people out there that don't have a roof over their head. There are people out there that don't have money. They have it way harder than you. Mm -hmm. And especially when I would come out of a meeting with all these execs and they told me I was a piece of shit and I, I sucked at my job. It was really helpful perspective because I would always step back and be like, oh yeah, these are just business problems. They're people that have a way worse and those are the people that we should try and help. For me, I measure my life in the impact that I had on other people because I'm not terribly religious. I'm not focused on one, one particular vector or another. For me, it's like at some point I'm going to die, right? And unt unt between now and then, the more people that I can positively impact the better I lived my life, right? And mm -hmm. so for Mike to always set that perspective for me and to always set a framework for how to make decisions, for how to put yourself into other people's shoes was critical. And actually one of the things he told me very early on when I was just starting, which I took very personally, is he said in my review, you have to do these reviews. Oh, he yeah. said, Ahan has a below the bar ability to put himself into other people's shoes. Okay. And I was like, really? Like I, I thought of myself as a very empathetic person, right? And I was like, why would you say that? And then I had to sit and reflect on it. And I realized that 
it is not that I didn't have the capability to be empathetic. It is that I didn't actively practice it. Like I was so mm. focused on where I was trying to go mm -hmm. that I didn't stop, put myself into someone else's shoes, see that whole situation from their perspective and then be like, oh, I'm actually missing this piece of it. Mm -hmm. And so that type of feedback and criticism was actually super, super important for me to like yeah. learn, you know? And it's a key in fintech. That yeah. is like, that is, we are missing it in some capacity. I mean- that's what we're here for. The, the humans of fintech. That's what I, you know, I, that's what I do love about about the podcast is that I kind of get to hear these stories of people like almost finding right. Like when you're reflective enough on your kind of self, you you do kind of find your sense of like empathy and and that that place in in the world and in general. Like if you think about it, fintech is kind of just like financial services with better technology and empathy. Yes, like honestly, if all we can do is make this financial system empathetic. We did our job. Oh my gosh, we're going to win. Then we we'll did our win. Job. Yeah. Oh and, my gosh. And actually, just... that's, why we, that's why we chose the tagline of make finance human for humans, yeah. you know? Because for us, it's like, okay, first of all, the world of financial services has worked where you have these products and you retrofit people to these products and people are mm. cost of deposits. No, right? <laughs> we should have a world where products are built around people and right. consider your context, consider who you are, right? We should have a world where the options we have are as diverse as we are right mm -hmm. like we may be the same age we may, we may both be in new york but i bet you we're doing radically different stuff and probably mm -hmm. what we need is pretty different and then regardless of how much money you have or where you live or who you know like you should have free fair financial tools right that help you achieve your goals and it's funny because it's one of those things where it's crazy until it's normal you know it's one of those things where we're gonna probably be talking about this for a long time like I think about that while I'm like gearing up in this seat uh, that I have in this like fintech creator seat and, and the what the fintech brand and I'm like I'm ready to talk about this for a long yeah. time because it takes a long time for the message to even get there and to even get across I even thought that at back in April during the conference mm -hmm. I remember I was moderating a panel on the untapped potential for SMBs and fintech Obviously, a massive opportunity gap Still there. Still super untapped. Still <laughs> untapped. I know. I'd be yeah. moderating sessions at every big fintech conference about that that topic. And I remember in the middle of it, I saw the audience questions because one of my panelists was just like going off about like, why? Like what you just said. Why do we think we can just create products and like fit people in these boxes? Like we can't just make one SMB product and everyone right. fits into it. And I was like, yes, exactly. And then I see all these like comments come in from the audience and they're like, what people program would you recommend? Or like, what's the main program I should use? And I was like, these people still don't get it. And so I like, remember I like shut, this is like a moment for me. I don't know if anyone else noticed, but I like shut my book and I was like, we're going to talk about people now. Because <laughs> clearly like this is not getting across. And I was like, can we please stop being so transactional and just yeah. thinking about that and, and for a second, think about the actual people that you're dealing with. Like an SMB is very B2B, but it's, also very B to C, like you're dealing yeah. with a with a human that is a consumer. And anyway, and sometimes it's just one person yeah. who's trying to like figure Literally. this stuff out. You know? Literally, who's like their own employee. But anyway, that's my tangent on, on that one. I'm moving on. I'm going to ask you a little bit about maybe pieces of advice sure. that you would share with folks that are maybe still feeling like outsiders in the industry. Embrace it as an advantage. You have a completely clean slate. And you're coming into a, a new industry that is changing. And typically, innovation comes from taking something from one context and cross-applying it in a totally different context. And that's why there's a book called Range, um, which talks about like being a generalist and 
highly recommend the read. Mm. Um, but talks about being a generalist and building, understanding a bunch of different areas because it lets you cross apply that and kind of be really uniquely valuable. So if you feel like an outsider in fintech, you are that. And now you just need to understand this world and you have to understand how can I, how can I take what I already know, what I'm already really good at and bring it into this world? My best pieces of advice would be one, start by understanding the fundamentals. How does ACH work? How do reserve accounts work? How do payments work? What is a merchant acquirer, mm -hmm. right? Just ask the basic questions. And, and if you have to caveat it with, hey, this may be a stupid question, but this is the thing I'm trying <laughs> to understand, just ask. Right. Because the first year, I mean, we see this with our team when we're onboarding people remotely, all that kind of stuff. The people who ask those questions, the dumb questions, are the people who have a ridiculous amount of value down the line because they weren't afraid to, to say, hey, I don't understand this, right? right? And the reality is, and I tell people this um, because they're like, hey, you're kind of young and you say that you've been in this, you know, banking as a service business since banking as a service was created. I'm like, yeah, because it was created like six, seven years ago, guys. <laughs> like we're making it on the fly, yeah. right? And I think in that context, you have to realize that, yes, you're new to fintech, but fintech is new, mm -hmm. right? Like this whole industry has been around for less than 15 years, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of coming into something with unique knowledge. And if you can combine your unique knowledge with the fundamentals and then go and talk to people that are smarter than you, right? And mm -hmm. that know different pieces of it, you'll be unstoppable. Because then you'll be able to take the knowledge that you have, contextualize it, triangulate it with other people, and then build relationships. And I hate I hate the term networking because I think <laughs> it's so gross, right? Like, Yeah, it's like, not great. Yeah. But All those conferences with the networking bars are so lame are so lame <laughs> but the best part is this right the right. best part is like meeting someone that is kind of a kindred spirit to you right and you're like oh we share similar values mm -hmm. we think about the world in a similar way because the nice thing about fintech is it's so deeply interconnected with the world mm -hmm. because money is how you live that you can kind of understand the world through the lens of fintech and you can understand fintech through the lens mm -hmm. of the world right like an example of of the latter right when we were thinking about, okay, well, how do we make how do we make payroll better, right? And again, we started with how does payroll work? Okay, we're sending an ACH from one account to another account to a third account. It takes us some amount of time. It's a pure cost center, all this kind of stuff. Okay, how would I want this to work? Well, I worked. I want to get paid for it. I want to be able to use it immediately. That's mm -hmm. pretty simple. Okay, let me go talk to other people who are in the payroll industry or understand how these different pieces work and understand where the inefficiency is. And then you end up realizing, oh, if I create an account and I own the, the payment flow and I have all the data and I know if you've been employed and I know how much you've worked, I can actually facilitate that experience and make money by doing it. And it's those things where you're like, oh, I took the fact that I didn't know anything about this and that it didn't make sense to me. I understood the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. I triangulated with other people and we came out with something that never existed before that is today, a year later, actually meaningfully impacting people who are living paycheck to paycheck. We need to be the change that we want to see. What change in fintech do you want to see and how do you embody it? Empathy has to be at the core of everything you do. Everything. Mm -hmm. Like, even if you are an infrastructure company, right? People think infrastructure company, they think yeah. B2B, right? Like, there's no, there's no empathy in B2B. Wrong, right? Your ability to win large clients is based off of your ability to understand them. Sometimes better than they do, right? Like I remember some of these early conversations where we would have to go to these companies and say, look, we read through all of your public statements. Here's the vision that we see based off of the problems that we can see inside of that. And sometimes they'd be like, have you like talked to people who work here? And we're like, no, you can kind of like stitch that together. But it starts with that thing that Mike told me I was terrible at, right? Mm -hmm. It starts by saying, stop. Like, I know I want to go that way, but just stop, put myself into their shoes. And it's funny, like today when we talk to, to prospects, 
I'll tell them in the beginning, I was like, look, I don't, I'm not here to sell you banking, right? Like, what do you actually care about? Like, why are you actually here? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the way to solve that problem is banking. Sometimes the way to solve that problem is introducing them to one of our friends at some other company. Sometimes I'm like, that's a tough problem. I have no idea how to solve <laughs> it, right? But there's that empathy. Mm-hmm. Then there is when you are designing a feature, whether you're B2C, whether you're B2B, B2B2C like we are, start by, and <laughs> there's a quote that I'm actually stealing from Steve Jobs, like 1997, he's making the Mac and he goes in front of everyone and he says, you guys are all building products wrong. Start with the experience and yep. work backward to the technology, right? Mm-hmm. Put yourself in that person's shoes, right? Like go talk to people who are actually living paycheck to paycheck if you have never lived paycheck to paycheck. Go stand at a payday lender for four hours and watch who comes in and out of that, right? And see what they're mm-hmm. going through. Because if you're going to design the parameters of something that other people are going to use to build products, but you don't even know the problem you're trying to solve, yep. what's the point? And then the, the third kind of piece of empathy is empathy to the employees and the people who are actually building this thing. Like we have this, and this is why I love that you call this humans of FinTech. We have this series within Helix called Humans of Helix. I also ripped from, yeah, we're on number, I think nine or 10 right now. And so you can, you can go to the Helix LinkedIn and you can read these stories, right? But like we work with some amazing people, you know? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, in your professional life, it's doing work that matters and building relationships that matter. It's amazing as we came out with Helix, some of our teammates were coming to me saying, hey, you know, my dad built the first ATM network in North Carolina and was all about making finance human, right? We have someone who is a two-time Olympic gold medalist, I learned, right? Who <laughs> Who is trying to make finance better, right? We have people who are coming from the technology world mm-hmm. or people who have literally never thought about finance in their entire lives. And learning from those people, like appreciating those people, understanding those people lets you build better products, builds you better teams, builds you a more Mm -hmm. sustainable business. So if I were to pick one thing, it would be empathy. If I were to pick a second honorable mention, (laughs) it would be build a sustainable business, right? Yeah. Like a company is not just marketing. A company is not just VC round to VC round. A company is something that can survive, right? Mm -hmm. For a a long period of time. And you said at the very beginning, which is be intentional. Mm -hmm. Like the number of people Let's say, oh, I just want to be the next this company. And I'm yeah. like, well, you're all nine years behind, right? <laughs> or oh, we got to compete with everyone out in the market. So we have to launch 11 features at once. And I'm like, with your seven person team. Yeah, that's going to be a struggle, right? Mm. But I think if you can have people who are building empathetic products, empathetic teams, empathetic companies, and if you can have effectively like this thought process from day one of build on a sustainable foundation, that's the world of finance that I want to live in. <sighs> Same, same. <laughs> I mean, it reminds me, it's like so. It's like social media. You know, one of the reasons why the social media world is so dangerous is because look at the people that built those products. You know, unless you have someone in the decision-making room, in the, you know, chief product officer seat, or even in you drawing down to like the coders in the room, right? It's like why we need more women. It's why we need more diverse individuals, right? That have experienced yeah. those things that you've mentioned, right? Until we have those kind of people in those rooms, then we're not going to have the products that actually speak to the diverse population that fintech is trying to serve. It's literally the like thesis and foundation of what the fintech yeah. and this podcast is is that exactly. So one of my last questions for you. All right. Let's hear it. Who is one person in fintech that everyone should follow who is just positively impacting the space? Well, her name is Nicole. She does a lot of stuff in this space. She runs this pot. No. What's her last name? Casper? <laughs> yeah. It's like Casper the ghost? I think so. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, She's great. You should read her content. 
there are lots of other people out in this mm-hmm. space. I think that are that are making great content. I would look at you know Alex Johnson writes some great content. We love um, Lex Sokolin writes some, writes some great content. Honestly, once you end up at one of those, you just go down the LinkedIn rabbit hole and you kind of <laughs> find all of them. I'd also take a look at you know the market analysis that some of the larger players do in the space. And as strange as this sounds, go to find the public fintechs and read their 10 Qs and 10 Ks. There's something in there that you will learn that no piece of content that unpacks it will ever teach you, which is how do these businesses actually work, right? Mm-hmm. Beginning to end, what's working, what's not working, how do leaders think about it? Because cross-applying from across context, right? Like, okay, you can read Square's public filing and learn so much that you can cross-apply up across almost every other fintech that you'll probably learn more than if you were to read a, a content piece standalone, mm-hmm. right? So I would say, yeah, dive into the weeds on some of that stuff, read some of the synthesis type stuff, read some of the sort of like overall market map type stuff and uh, form your own perspective because right. chances are we're all probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not entirely or else we're all doomed. At least partially. <laughs> anyway, no, no, I know what you mean. But yes, oh my God, such a pro tip though, like look, reading those those filings I brings me back to my old reporter days when I used to do that. Still totally do, you know, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Anyways, <laughs> Ahan, this has been amazing. Thank yeah, you so much. Awesome. Your transparency is infectious. Your like, <laughs> yeah, your 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 personality is so wonderful. Thank you so much. You are literally like the embodiment of humans of fintech. So thank you so much. What can we all expect from you next? Oh man. Well, close us out. Well, first I'd say you're already starting to see it, but you'll see us expand beyond just fintech. So we announced a gaming partnership, which I think is super exciting because it starts to bring like people talk about the metaverse like the first step of that is bringing the virtual world and the physical world closer together and companies like mana are doing that and you'll see us go into crypto and whatnot but you'll also see us go into outside of fintech into like brands into telcos into those kinds of companies and at first you hear that and you're like why should i care at all about that you should care because when you can take something like that that's been disconnected from finance and put it together you can make things that you've never seen before right so so piece one Expect us to go outside of fintech within consumer banking. Nice. Piece two, we talked about small business, big opportunity, Ooh. right? As we get into 23 and beyond, we're going to solve for that problem. And with real empathy, right? Understanding that some businesses are one person who's just starting this for the first time. And some businesses are massive corporations that have really robust needs. And I'm not going to lie to you. We're not going to get there in one day, right? We're going to start and we're going to grow from there. But mm. we've really been thinking about what is wrong with the way that the system currently works and how do we fix it? So I'm super excited about that. And you'll see us then look on the other side of the balance sheet, right? And say, not just how do we launch a lending product? Like we could have done that this year if we just reskinned a different partner. We're not doing that. Because again, it starts with the problem. What's the problem? The problem is there are tons of people today who should be getting credit that are not. There are people who have all this really important context that nobody seems to consider. And somehow this entire economy operates off this little thing called a FICO score, which captures maybe a fourth of the total picture for a person. And without, I'm not going to go promise that tomorrow we're going to evolve the whole FICO ecosystem, but you can do that in in bits, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so for us, it's about not just how do you launch a lending product, but how do you launch a lending product that takes into account the unique context that you have about the person and also uses the banking ecosystem as an advantage, right? So if I know you're a great banking customer, you've consistently been great, you you know, you spend responsibly, et cetera, I should be able to help you get to your goals faster with, with spending less money than if I didn't know you at all, right? Mm-hmm. So 
Just a few things. Yeah, just a couple like things. Like a couple things on the yeah. plate. One, yeah. two, three. Yeah, bing, bing, bing boom. <laughs> the end. Sol- like, yeah, sol- solved everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I'm so excited <laughs> for all of the new things. Excited for, for you and to just keep seeing you soar. And yes, thank you so much for joining the show. This has been awesome. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I not to shamelessly plug your podcast, but I think, I think this is really important. You thank know, you. like having done a lot of podcasts, I think a lot of them end up being about, well, what trends are you seeing in fintech, right? I and know, that's so boring. You'll see the same stuff over and over again, right? But I think I love the fact that you kind of take this like lateral approach into it, mm-hmm. right? And and talking about bringing empathy into the equation, you start with, well, who is the person? Mm-hmm. What is this business? Who are they trying to solve for? And my hope is that people who are watching or listening uh, to the podcast can sit back and be like, what is something that I can connect from the things mm-hmm. that I know, even if it's outside of fintech, you know what I mean? Like the whole world needs changing. Seriously. You know? <laughs> no, that's, that's like, that was the whole inspiration is, is, you know, how do we, one, I knew that we needed to bring something different to the table because yeah. there's a lot of podcasts out there and there's a lot of fintech content out there. But I looked at the gap that the industry needed and this to me was just clear as day. Obviously I also have a team that, that rocks, um, that helped me identify the gap. But, um, you're right. Like it, it is kind of this, like, we're, we're first getting to understand the people behind the products, behind the the things, right? And like, yes, and that get to me and me personally, and, hope, and I believe it works with the audience. This gives me a much clearer indication of the future of the space than what's on your product roadmap, you know? So anyways, that's that that was the, the thesis and the, the point of the show. So I'm so glad you enjoy it. Thank yeah. you. Well, here's hoping in 10 years, just like everything five years ago is now, it's obvious that empathy needs to be a part of finance. I know, right? We're going to do it together <laughs> via content, via building. So sweet. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too.